0: Please turn to Ephesians chapter three, verses one to thirteen. We'll find it on page nine hundred and seventy-seven in the pew Bible. We're going to read Ephesians chapter three, verses one to thirteen, and if you would please stand for God's word. This is the apostle Paul writing to his dearly beloved church in Ephesus. For this reason, I as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church which is your glory. The word of the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to gather around your word. We pray, Father, that you would please send the Holy Spirit to open our ears and hearts and give us grace, Father, that we might hear your voice as you speak to us through your word. Give us grace, Father, that we might hear this word, believe it, obey it, and rejoice in it. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Please be seated. We've called this sermon series A Season for Growth. Uh, It's my conviction that God in his great mercy uh, is leading our church through a season for growth. Uh, Most of you will not know this, but... uh, Today's a very significant date for those among us who come from Christchurch Carrollton. Uh, would you believe it was twelve years ago um, that Metro, that Christchurch that Christchurch had its very first meeting, uh, July the 18th, 2010, twelve years ago, uh, that our church across town had its beginning and uh, God brought us to be united with MetroCrest, who began almost 34 years ago. We're going to be celebrating that special day in just a few weeks. We're going to be celebrating 34 years of God's blessing on MetroCrest through good times and bad times. And he brought MetroCrest together with this little, funny little church, Christ Church Carrollton, and has united us now as one church family. And just like Larry prayed a moment ago, I am so grateful for his doing that. I think it's been a good thing for the folks who came from Christ Church Carrollton. And I believe it's been a wonderful thing for MetroCrest. And I really do believe this is a season for growth. This is a season when the Holy Spirit is doing something wonderful in an exciting and special way. And I'd like for us to think about that as we listen to what Paul has to say here in Ephesians chapter 3. I've pointed out before, uh, Ephesus was a church Paul knew extremely well. He spent a lot of time in Ephesus. He was involved in planting the church there. It was a church that was very special to him in terms of his own personal ministry. He had seen God do miraculous things. And he had seen also the church endure through some pretty crazy hardship. Uh, Paul was writing a church that, like Metrochrist, knows something about hardship. So he has a a word for the church in Ephesus, and I want to suggest to you as we turn to this chapter that once again uh, God has a word for us. I want to bring to you this morning three points. One point, the first, a mystery revealed. Second point, a gift entrusted. And third point, a purpose realized. A mystery revealed. Let's take a look at verses 1 to 6. Paul, again writing to Ephesus, says, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Paul uh, is reminding the church in Ephesus. You'll notice that chapter 3 begins with for this reason. He's actually connecting what he's about to say with what he has already said. In chapters 1 and 2 he's talked about this gospel. This gospel that is secured in the death of Jesus on the cross. His blood poured out on the cross. um, is connected to what he's about to say. And this... Amazing truth, this gospel of Jesus' life and death, his atoning work on the cross, that is the heart of the gospel. And Paul says it's for this reason that he is talking to them about a mystery. And he says it was actually a mystery that was revealed to him. It's not something he knew on his own. It was something, in fact, he had spent much of his life resisting. Uh, He had actively opposed the gospel. So mysterious was it to Paul, then Saul, that he vigorously opposed the way, the Christian gospel, the turning of many people to Jesus. He resisted that and was actually a participant in in the stoning of the first martyr, Stephen. So it was such a mystery to Saul and Paul that uh, Paul didn't understand this gospel that he is proclaiming in Ephesus. It had to be revealed to him. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit who opened his heart, opened his mind, helped him to understand the Bible, understand the scriptures, which he'd actually had in his hand his whole life. He'd had the scriptures in his hand since he was young. He had been taught by the best Bible teachers of his day. He knew the scriptures but the Holy Spirit had to open his eyes and his heart and give him grace that he might hear God's word, believe it, obey it, and rejoice in it. It was revealed to him by the Spirit. So it had to be revealed to Paul. Then he says in verse 4, When, the, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So this is a mystery, the gospel, which has been revealed to Paul and now which Paul is revealing to the church in Ephesus and through the church in Ephesus revealing to you and me. What is that mystery? The mystery is contained in the very last sentence. The next to last sentence. He says that the mystery is that the Gentiles, he says in verse 6, are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers Of the promise of Christ through the gospel. So Paul had had the gospel revealed to him, but now, in addition to the gospel, is this new dimension of the gospel, which is it's for everyone. It's not just for those who are of Jewish ancestry. This was a mystery, something that had not been made known to previous generations, which the Spirit had revealed through the scriptures. Had been there all along. Yet they had missed it. They had not understood it. There had been glimpses. If you look at the Old Testament. You'll see many, many, many glimpses. Of God's vision. For the whole world. I've been reading a book. Called The Mission of God. By Christopher Wright. And one thing Dr. Wright does. Is he goes back through the Old Testament scriptures. And he shows from Genesis all the way through Malachi. How God has always had a vision for the nations. It was not hidden in the sense that it wasn't there to be read. But it was a mystery that they didn't grasp. So, the Holy Spirit opening God's word to Paul. And then through Paul the church. And now finally this is that gospel. That it is for all people. All nations what Revelation calls, at the very end of the Bible, uh, every language, tribe, and nation. We read those words and go right over them. They are revolutionary words. That God has a mission that includes the entire world, every language, every tribe, every nation. Not just the Jewish nation, not just our nation. Now, there was a very special lesson at the point in which Paul was teaching about the unique role of Israel and the new role of the Gentiles, the new status of the Gentiles. That was a particular clash in this idea of God's mystery reveal. This was something that the Jewish people had misunderstood a long time. They'd misunderstood it. And so it was a particular clash. And the very first council of the church was on that issue. So it's unique. It has a unique role to play in the history of the church and the history of the unfolding of this mystery of the gospel. But you know what? It's been a mystery for a long time and in a lot of different contexts. The mystery is we all tend to think of the gospel as being somehow specially for me and people like me. We may not articulate it. We may not consciously think it. But it's buried deep within us. A few years ago at General Assembly, we were talking about uh, racism in the history of the Presbyterian Church in America. And it was a very, very interesting discussion. It was... One of the late night sessions. Larry, you know about these late night sessions. Everybody was exhausted. And there were uh, many speakers lined up. And there were, there were speakers. I'm from Mississippi. And there were speakers lined up who, who came to stand and say, my ancestors, they, they loved the Lord and they were not racists. And there were other people who stood up and said, they were racists. They may not have understood it, but they were racist. They were doing things, they were making decisions that were at some level based on a racial prejudice. And it had to do with the relationships between different classes of Christians and who would be invited and welcome in the PCA church. And, And this was all going on culturally and politically, and it was going on in the life of the church. They were debating this. And so we were debating it many years later, talking about the issue of race and how race can permeate church life without realizing it. And I'll never forget, a former moderator from Mississippi, my home state, stood up and he went to the pulpit and he said, brothers and sisters, uh, I was at the founding of the PCA. In fact, he told us, and it was Someone else said it. He, this is all accurate. He was one of the signers of the original Articles of Incorporation for the PCA. Long, long history, lifetime association with our denomination. He said, I can tell you without any uncertainty that when we created the PCA, we were not intending to be racist. We did not understand ourselves to be making racist decisions. We understood ourselves to be creating a denomination that would be true to the doctrine of the Reformation, true to the scriptures, true to the mission of God. And we were very intentional about doing that. That's what we were intending to do. Pause. But, he said, I've got to confess to you many years later, that looking back, I now realize that deep within me, I had I had this, this built-in cultural racism. I thought that there were certain people not as good as me. I would never have used those words, but deep within me, I had this, well, Paul calls it a division, uh, a a division between peoples. That's what Paul describes it as in Ephesians 2. He, He talks about this division between cultures and races. And this former moderator of the PCA said, I want to, in front of God and everybody else, confess to you my sin. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to say to every." man, woman, boy, and girl of color in this congregation today and in the PCA today and in the world today that I had racist ideas in my head. I couldn't have articulated them, but they were there. And I repent of that, and I want to give the rest of my life to making sure that the PCA, of which we're a little part, stands strongly for the saving gospel which transcends race and culture and language and nationality. I want to be a proclaimer of that gospel. And let me tell you, you could have heard a pin drop in this congregation, this this congregation of thousands of PCA members who had just been debating passionately on both sides. But to have a man of such integrity who had been there in the room Say those words was honestly one of the most healing, transformative things that could have been done. The, the tenor of the whole debate changed. And it wasn't to say everybody was awful and we should cancel them, and no, that wasn't the message. The message was, we all carry around within us this built-in preference for people that are more like ourselves, that look more like ourselves, that we share a culture with. We have this built-in predisposition. And at the same time, we have a built-in predisposition of defensiveness against what's different, what looks different, sounds different. We have this predisposition. It's a, a defensive mechanism built up inside of us. Well, Paul's saying that part of the message of the gospel which he is proclaiming to the church in Ephesus and through them to us is that that is a reflection of sin. That that deep inner predisposition to reject people different from ourselves, that, that is a dimension of our sinful brokenness. It's, it's an area for repentance. It's an area for healing. It's an area where we're growing and changing. It's not about canceling, looking down on people who uh, did not fully understand that point. It's, it's about fully understanding and, and buying into what God has revealed, which is right in the scriptures that God has a plan for the whole world. And we get to be a part of it. So it's a mystery revealed. It's a mystery that we still have today. There's still people who live within this darkened understanding. There's still people who want to kill others because of the way they look or the language they speak. There are all kinds of cultures where you run the risk of dying if you say something contrary to their prejudices. Still a mystery in the world. And yet... Jesus revealed it to Paul, and Paul reveals it to us that in Christ, by the power of the Spirit, we're made one. And I don't mean it in the way the world means the multicultural one. I used that word last week. I want to make sure I'm clear. I mean that small m, a, a, an adjective meant to describe what we simply experience. More and more here in Carrollton, we encounter multicultures, many cultures. You can't very easily live without bumping into people of different cultures. And that's all I mean. I don't mean capital M multiculturalism with all of its rules and regulations and ways of thinking. I'm talking about just the small M reality that in a modern world, we bump into a lot of different cultures. So it's a mystery revealed to us in this context in which we're increasingly aware of the fact there are people different from us. It's a mystery revealed to us. And and Paul's keen that we understand that. Secondly, he says it's a gift entrusted. Look at verses 7 to 10. He says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. What was this grace? He says, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So Paul had been entrusted with this gift. We may not think of it as a gift. It was a costly gift. It was a gift that cost Paul quite a bit. He actually suffered because of this gift. But he understood it to be a gift. God giving him, entrusting to him, this privilege of preaching to a world that was at times in darkness about the good news of the gospel for all people. Paul understood that to be a gift. And even though he suffered, even though he faced hardship. He saw it as a gift, a privilege. But he doesn't stop there. Look at what he says uh, in verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the the gift of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles had been entrusted to Paul, In a particular way, a special way. He was the first one. He was especially anointed for this task. But he says in verse 10 that the church now, we have that same gift entrusted to us. And that gift is to proclaim the wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We take that same radical God message of his mission for the whole world. You and I have been entrusted with that gift today. MetroCrest has been entrusted with that vision. That gift today. The mission of God. Proclaimed in the Old Testament scriptures. Proclaimed in the New Testament scriptures. That has been entrusted to us. I've got to say one of the things I love about the Gideons. They take that gift And they want to be faithful in responding. They want to do what they can do. Go to the local middle school and hand out Bibles to kids who may or may not have a clue. Uh, give Give Bibles, the seed of the word to soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines heading off to battle to serve our country. Giving that seed of the word to them hospitals, and, and hotel rooms. I mean, is there, is there a better picture of byways and highways than putting a Bible in a desk t- table, hoping, trusting that one day a woman in need of consolation, a grieving man, someone lost in despair would open that Bible and find the strength of Jesus. I want Metrocrest to be like the Gideons. That we're a church that, that takes this gift that's been entrusted to us and we seek to live it out, to proclaim the gospel to everybody to look for ways to cross dividing lines, to go to different cultures. We live in a neighborhood that is increasingly multicultural, small in, We live in a culture where there are, there are more and more people who don't come from here originally, who, who have different heart languages, who have all kinds of different backgrounds. That's the place where God has put us. And so my prayer for MetroCrest in this season of growth is that we will grow into that and that we will grab hold to that, which, that gift which has been entrusted to us. And that like Paul, in spite of the hardship, that we will proclaim the good news of Jesus, the saving gospel of Jesus' life and death, his resurrection, his power in the world today, that we would lean into that Because it's been entrusted to us too. It was entrusted to Paul. It's been entrusted to generations of Christians since then, and it's entrusted to you and me. And as our church grows through this season, as we enter our 35th year soon, as we try to invest every penny that's been given to us, we want to do it in a way which proclaims this. Saving gospel, this gift that's been entrusted to us. I'm going to close uh, by a third point, And it's in verses 11 through 13. This is how Paul concludes this little section. He says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Along with this mystery revealed and this gift entrusted comes this understanding that was so important to everything Paul did. Paul's understanding was that behind this important work, is the sovereign purpose of a sovereign God. It's not simply something a human society decided to, to make their goal. No, his confidence was, this is God's mission. God's people doing God's mission. is God's work. And so he says, we can have boldness and we can have... Access with confidence through our faith, not in ourselves, not in our plans, not in the gimmicks we come up with. No, our confidence, brothers and sisters, lies in Him. That's why. We can have boldness. That's why we can have confidence. That's why we can risk suffering. That's why we can risk making the world mad at us. That's why we can risk someone calling us irrelevant. That's why we can step out in faith and do little things and medium-sized things and huge things. Because we do it knowing that there is an all-powerful, all-knowing God with a purpose of love for the nations. And it's with that confidence that we send our little ones to Lebanon and we send our little ones to North Africa and we send our trusting young missionaries to go to different neighborhoods and, and raise a flag for Jesus and, and invite people to come to Jesus through His Word. We can be confident because. Every one of those stories which Steve shared and the story I shared from my own life. Brothers and sisters, God's word has power because God has power. God has a purpose. We can trust his purpose. And in our season of growth, I want to grab hold of that confidence, that boldness, which makes it possible for ordinary people To do extraordinary things. Trusting in the purpose of God. The the almighty purpose of God realized in Christ. It's already been accomplished. We're not hoping something will happen. We're proclaiming that something has happened. And we're inviting others to come and know Jesus just like he's invited us. To come and be a part of his family. Without dividing division over racist lines or cultural lines or any other line, we are confident not in ourselves but in him. Well, in this season of growth, I pray that our church will grab hold of that, that it will infect and effect every single ministry of our church, every Bible study, every small group, every Sunday school class, every worship service. Everything we do that it would be grounded in that confidence in Christ.